on December 18, 2007, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Henkel was interviewed again by Christina Kendall for 2020 on ABC News. Two pre-interviews occurred on December 18, 2007, one at lunchtime and another at 3 p.m. This interview here is the second one conducted later at 3 p.m. that same day. The full interview was initially recorded on an audio cassette tape. Due to the interview's length, the tape was turned over to side B to finish the full recording. This was the third pre-interview with Christina Kendall. One month later, in January 2008, Mark Henkel conducted a fourth pre-interview with her. The tape recording was begun on the side B of the same tape as this pre-interview. Due to the length of that fourth pre-interview, the tape was again turned over but this time recording over the start of side A to finish the full recording. As a result, the first 7 minutes and 17 seconds of this third pre-interview have, unfortunately, been lost. Uh, our organization, they've said that uh, uh, love not force, when you really break it down, it is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the first place. You know, is that love your enemies? You know, it's, it's, it's about love, not force. You know, it's a... Uh, um, you, know, you know, we don't use the force of government to preach the gospel. We use love. We don't use, uh, you know, we want to bring healing and, and, and goodness to people, not uh, not not tyranny against them. Yeah. So, so it is. You are observant to notice love not forces <laughs> in my personality uh, because ultimately it is. It's while it has come out as a uh, as a standard for Christian polygamy, so that you can define what is Christian polygamy. Uh, bless others, uh, you know, those who come out and try to use forced polygamy, which is what we call it, uh, where they just try to force polygamy on another wife. Uh, we've established the standard so that if someone tries to claim they're Christian or claim they're Christian polygamy and they're doing forced polygamy, then it doesn't, it's not definable as Christian polygamy because it doesn't meet the love not forced standard. You understand what I mean? Yes, absolutely. That, that it, because if you force someone to do something, it actually goes against the very teachings of Jesus. Exactly. You know, I mean, the, the whole message of the gospel, when you preach the gospel to, to people to become born again, they do a free choice. They do it because of the love, not because they've been forced into it. Because, you know, uh, there's a poem in... Uh, Somebody very famous, I mean, maybe Ben Franklin, somebody like that, said that a person forced against their will is of the same opinion still. Right. <laughs> and that is... So, all right, so how should we proceed? That's it. Well, the question is, is that given that it's a secular show and a secular audience, yeah. how biblical do we want to get? Because I know that we need to be limited on that because of the secular audience. I understand that. Well, I mean, the secular audience, but I think that what you talked about, I mean, I can't tell you what to say. Of course. Like, that's not allowed to do that. Oh, I, I can totally answer. My question is sometimes people don't, shows don't want to be too much about the Bible arguments, is I what I'm saying. That, I think that you definitely, I mean, I think that that, I think that our audience, a lot of what you just talked to me about yeah. is exactly what's going to hit them and make a difference. I think that two of the most powerful things is one is the historical argument, mm -hmm. um, talking about the biblical history mm -hmm. um, of, of having more than one wife. Right. 
and well, fundamentally, the creation of the one man one one doctrine that has been uh, made mainstream today. And what is the history of the one man, one woman doctrine, and what is it premised on? And ultimately, I'm the man who cries out, the emperor has no clothes. Right. Because as a matter of fact, it comes back through the Christian history, through actually to the Catholic institution, and the argument is said that one man, one woman comes from the Bible, and that's where I come in and say the emperor has no clothes. You will not find it anywhere proven in the Bible. That, so that, that's what, I can see the value of that. I'm just saying, I have no problem being Christian. I have no problem being biblical and arguing all that. I want to know how far you as a show wanted to go in spending time on biblical arguments. That's all I meant. Can you follow me? Yeah, I mean, I think that we want to spend time there right. as far as it helps our audience understand the issues. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. You know, I, I think that's the most answer and it's like I always mm -hmm. hesitate to say exactly how we're going to do it or what's going to be part of it you know it comes mm -hmm. out of your interview right well ultimately what what we have here in this story is we are a new movement since 1994 and because of the internet that's what made it possible and why it wasn't possible before the internet so, so it answers the question, why now? Why didn't this happen before? You understand what I mean? Yeah. And because we are the two main constituencies that have supported the anti-polygamy notion, that, uh, have I used the House of Cards analogy with you before? Okay, anti-polygamy thinking in society is built on a house of cards. What happens when you knock out the first floor of a house of cards? It all comes crashing down. All the different floors above it all crash down. The first floor of the house of cards of anti-polygamy thinking is the combination of two C's, conservative Christians, evangelical Christians. Okay? We all come from that constituency. And we prove, one, that it's that anti-polygamy is not biblical, and two, with love not force, we are very pro-loving women. So we answered, we, because we cannot be dismissed as Muslim, we cannot be dismissed as Mormon, we cannot be dismissed as lascivious, or fleshly, or anti-woman, we can't be dismissed. We are able to finally, once and for all, in society in modern time, answer the arguments that nobody else could. Because they'd be dismissed. Dismissed as Mormon, dismissed as Muslim, dismissed as whichever. Right. So, that's, I, now I see what you're saying. I get it. That, that's, that's a very powerful position to be coming from. Right. And because we can't. And, and because as Christians, for, and we're, we're not a new religion, we're not a new denomination, because we come from Baptist to Pentecostals, we're individuals, we're the super studiers in the churches. We're, you know, the churches... The evangelical churches, the pastor teaches in most of these, in most evangelical churches, the paradigm is sola scriptura, and that is that it's not based on what man tells you. It's you need to study the Bible yourself. That that's standard Christian doctrine. Don't tell, don't believe what man says. Believe the word of God because it's the word of God. That's what we're taught. Well. We super studiers, that's what we do. And we run up against the fact that Abraham had three wives. 
Israel had four wives. David had eight named known wives. Moses, who wrote the one flesh verse and wrote the Adam and Eve story, Moses had two wives. Jesus describes himself in a polygamous parable in Matthew 25. If polygamy was a sin, Jesus would never have done that. And, and theologically, Christians view the scriptures as this. The Old Testament is the time of the law, and the New Testament is the new covenant that were saved by grace through faith. I don't know how deep in theology you're aware of, but... Oh, no, I'm aware. Okay. So, the fact is, is that the old, the, being under the law was about showing that man cannot make himself righteous, because man cannot possibly keep all the law. It's not possible for man to keep the law. Man can't make himself righteous, which proves that man needs a Savior, which is why the New Covenant is about Jesus Christ being that Savior. So we go from being under the law to being under grace in the New Testament. And so instead of being under all the laws, now we're under, uh, under grace, saved by Jesus Christ through faith. And that the, the two great commandments, which is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so you don't go from a period of restriction of being under the law to a period of liberty and grace by being under grace, and then suddenly you're going to turn the marriage doctrine and make it more legalistically restrictive in the time of grace than it ever was under the law? That doesn't make sense. That's backwards. That's theologically backwards. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, I think that right there, the, the Old Testament, you know, kind of, the Old Testament and New Testament mm -hmm. distinction, I think, is going to be too in-depth. I agree. The problem is, is that one of the things that we are constantly accused of is that, it, and here you're going to love, and I think John will love the profound hypocrisy of this dichotomy. Anti-polygamous Christians will turn around and say, oh, but polygamy was only in the Old Testament. Okay, so now suddenly they accuse us of being Old Testament Christians, but they're the ones who are trying to make the New Covenant more legalistic than it ever, than it ever was under the law. In fact, the law allowed it. It even regulated it. And now that here's the greatest irony, but it's, it's just so juicy a hypocrisy. It's got to make you laugh. The very ones who use the anti-polygamy argument who accuse us of being Old Testament when we're not, we're New Covenant Christians. What is the one story you almost inevitably always hear them use as the supposed reason why God's plan for marriage is one man, one woman? Adam and Eve. They will always say, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. Where did Adam and Eve come from? That's Old Testament. They're the ones using the Old Testament. Is there, any, is there any justification that they pull from the New Testament of one man, one woman? They have. It is Matthew 19, where Jesus says, as it was in the beginning, that the Lord had made, uh, made, made, made them. And he basically records Genesis 2.24, where it's the one flesh passage, passage. That like it was in the beginning... Uh, oh, a man leaves his wife. Exactly. The Genesis 2.24. So Jesus is, but you have to read the whole story in Matthew 19. The Pharisees had asked Jesus, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife, listen to it, for every cause? Mm -hmm. In other words, hey Jesus, can, can a man divorce her for whatever reason he wants to? Right. He said, and so the question isn't about polygamy, it's about divorce. And not only is it about divorce, it's about divorce for every single reason a person wants to conclude. Right. And Jesus says, no. He's answering the divorce question and saying it's not. And as you've not seen that, what God has created, let not man tear asunder, as it was from the beginning, marriage is supposed to be for life. 
and and as and he requotes the, the uh, as it was in the beginning, Genesis two twenty four, and the two, uh, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So that's where they get Jesus saying that. But you have to remember, Jesus is requoting Moses, and Moses had two wives when he wrote that. Moses had two wives writing the Adam and Eve story, and the fact is Moses was one flesh with each of his wives. It did, so that didn't say that it's an impossibility to be one flesh with more than one wife. He was answering the argument saying, once you're one flesh, you're not supposed to divorce. Right. And it's clearly that's all he's talking about. So, in fact, at biblicalpolygamy.com, I think it's linked under, uh, it's divorce, not polygamy, or something like that. And that's what the Matthew 19 passage is, and that's where they get Jesus. So what they're doing is they are taking a after-the-fact doctrine of one man, one woman as their presupposition. Do you know what the word presupposition means? Decided right. You, you suppose a certain elements of fa are factual as you then view the perspective of what you're looking at. So they're presupposing one man, one woman is right. And then they're looking at Matthew 19. They're not looking at it neutrally. They're looking at it with a presupposition of one man, one woman. And then they're in superimposing that upon that so you see this is what it says. But if you take out the presupposition and just let the passage speak for itself, it gives no such insinuation of that whatsoever. Especially when you add to the fact that Jesus is requoting polygamous Moses, and if having more than one wife was so wrong, he would have condemned Moses for two wives. And he certainly didn't. And Jesus himself would not have ever, ever described himself as a polygamist as he did in Matthew 25, if polygamy was a sin. Because he's sinless. He would never describe himself in a sinful scenario. So that, that is where they get it. They also get the... Uh, what did he say in Matthew 25? It's the parable of the ten virgins. Where G, it's, it's Jesus' warning Christians to be ready for when he comes, for the second coming of Christ. And he describes ten virgins who are waiting for the wedding of the bridegroom. And five of the, wise are, five of the virgins are wise, and five of the virgins are foolish. And basically they have lamps, and they need to keep oil in their lamps. And while they're waiting for, for uh, the bridegroom to come, five of the foolish virgins waste their oil, and they're not ready. Then finally he comes in at, at a time when they weren't ready, and it's nighttime, and the ones who were foolish didn't have oil in their lamps, they can't see it, and they miss out, so he marries the five wise virgins, and uh, the other ones are shut out. It's a warning to Christians saying, be ready, I will come when you're not expecting me. Right, 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 right. Okay, so clearly it's about brides coming to marry the bridegroom. Some try to read, suggest the foolish idea that those virgins are bridesmaids. But there's no mention of a bride then. One. And two, theologically that's unsound because the message, all Christians will agree, is about telling Christians to be ready for the second coming of Christ. And when he comes, we will be with him forever. Wives are with a husband forever. Bridesmaids leave when the wedding's over. So this story isn't about being bridesmaids, it's about being brides to be raised to be with him forever. So it's clearly a polygamous story. And if it was a sin, Jesus himself, the sinless Lord and Savior, would never have... Describing, he wouldn't have used that as a parable. Exactly. It, it just wouldn't happen. And then, moreover, you have, what sin is polygamy? Is it adultery? Here's a good question for John could ask. You know, is polygamy adultery? Well, it's not possible. Is polygamy fornication? Well, it's not possible because, for example, we know Abraham had three wives, and uh, Israel had four wives, Jacob had four wives, 
And the uh, Galatians 5 says that those who commit adultery and commit fornication shall not, are works of the flesh, and shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus in Matthew 8, 11 says that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sitting in the kingdom of heaven. So if they were, these polygamists were adulterers or fornicators, you wouldn't be seeing them in the kingdom of heaven because it's, they're not... Jacob. I'm sorry? I, think, I don't think you would describe Moses or Jacob or Abraham as a fornicator. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the, the problem is, is that it is a... No, and I think, like, see, this is the thing, and this is back to what I think that the, our audience can... The points you're going to be able to make that our audience really will, will relate to is, you know, like, the Hugh Hefner thing. Yes. That's exactly, you, you didn't use that as an example the first time we talked, you just said, you know, it's okay for people to have multiple girlfriends, yeah. and, you know, but the, the minute that you want to act responsibly, mm -hmm. the minute that you are... You make a permanent commitment. Making a, right, yeah. a commitment as a, to, to, to act as one should. I mean, what we would say, right, uh, in our... In any moral standard, mm -hmm. you would say it is it is right and good for a, for a father to have ownership and to have. Um, I, mean, I guess I wouldn't use the word. No, you don't own your wife. No. To have responsibility, to, to feel. I would say own your responsibility. Yes. Ownership infers a responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that's why. Right, and and well, that's the perversity of our our modern culture uh, is the. That it's okay to, uh, you know, divorce and remarry, divorce and remarry, which itself is serial polygamy. Right. You know, but but let you maintain a a, uh, a concurrent polygamy, and somehow that's that's a sin, which it isn't, and that's a crime, which doesn't make sense. Right. You know, and, and of course we're only talking about consenting adults. And, see, and I think that that is those things, and of course making the point that you just said about consenting adults, mm -hmm. um, which I just kind of consider a given now. But when you're in the interview, of course you want to. All those original points you made with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, consenting adults is probably one of the most used words I use in my interviews. <laughs> good, because the thing is, is that I feel like you're right. Polygamy, the idea of polygamy is completely hijacked by these, you know, extreme cult groups. Yeah. That's how I would describe them. Um, you know, where children really have no choice whatsoever. Right. Forget force. They are just, they have no choice. Well, exactly. Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say they've hijacked it, because I just, see, polygamy is just something that uh, those who do it, do it. And so, you know, it's like um, I smile, you smile, and a criminal smiles. Just because a criminal smiles doesn't mean they're bad or I'm bad. Right, I get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the criminal hijacks smiling either. Right, exactly. You know, okay, yeah. right. Um, it hasn't been hijacked. It's just that the media. Just the media has. The yeah. media has only focused on those groups, which has, in essence, made it uh, poisoned it. I think, and, and and it really goes back to why John is such a value, is because it goes back to the issue that he points out himself, and that is that because there has been such a cultural false indoctrination on the one man one woman doctrine, which goes back to my house of cards analogy, that. That um, not everybody is a Christian, but everybody knows one and knows they're going to hear about it from a conservative Christian. Uh, that 
when you tell them that the emperor has no clothes, you are creating an enormous psychological dilemma for them to, to face. Even when they can face, I've seen people actually acknowledge the truth and then turn around and commit an act of insanity because it helped them keep their sanity. Uh, because you're telling them that all the people they ever knew were wrong. Or, or, their, or, you know, or, or their grandmother who never missed a day of church, you know, uh, and all the great and mighty heroes who preached the Bible and all that, all of those individuals were wrong. Uh, I have a, uh, it has been, it's been referred to me uh, in uh, our organization, and it could be a, a good soundbite for you guys to use, but I, I'm not going to use it myself. And that is, is that the significance of what we're doing with Christianity and with civil rights, that, uh, and here, here's sort of a, a good teaser soundbite, uh, is that I have been compared to uh, being uh, the Martin Luther of today's Christianity and the Martin Luther King Jr. of today's civil rights. You know, and the similarity of the Martin Luther is, could be a, a good play on words. But the point is, we're changing the course of history because of these arguments and because we are able to provide the conservative and evangelical Christian arguments. We can kick out that first floor of the House of Cards of anti-polygamy thinking. Then the next floor, uh, liberals. Liberals have to accept consenting adult polygamy as long as it's uncoerced and unabusive. And feminists have to accept uh, uncoerced consenting adult polygamy if women choose this, because it's all about women's choice. And cultural conservatives who would like to see a non-governmental, non-taxing op uh, option for single ab abandoned single moms to be able to not have to go on welfare and maybe have a better alternative, would certainly uh, be able to accept consenting adult polygamy as an option. And certainly just about anybody else, most anybody else could really care less what consenting adults choose to do. So it's that first floor of House of Cards that we're able to kick out, and because of that, and because of our new movement, that's why the polygamy rights movement has been able to uh, grow and accelerate, and what, what, why not only do I wear the hat with Christian polygamy, but also now as the national polygamy advocate, because concerning about polygamy in general, even if it's you know, secular polygamy or Jewish polygamy, we can, as a Christian, I can answer the questions that even they can't, and because I can, I can get polygamy rights for all concerning adults, regardless of of background, as long as it's uh, love that force. Yes, you have like a you have a unique because you are an evangelical Christian. You have a unique opportunity that nobody else could do. Sure. Yes, I agree with you. Exactly. So that's why I've got the two hats, and that's why I become the national polygamy advocate, uh, even for larger than just Christian polygamy, but for polygamy rights in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is you. I think that your perception. And so I mean, I, I, so that's why I gave you that teaser, as it were, because that's that's why it, it's both the Martin Luther for Christians, but also the Martin Luther King Jr. for civil rights of polygamy rights in general. So you can enjoy that if you guys want to uh, want to use that as your teaser soundbite. <laughs> Did I, say I have to get you to say it, or I have to get someone to say it. What's that? I have to get someone to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, no, you could, you know, you, what you can do, I mean, as, as a teacher, you can put me, put my face up and say, is this the next Martin Luther for for Christianity? Is this the next Martin Luther King Jr. for uh, for civil rights? You know what I'm saying? That's a good, that's a good way to promo. And talk about getting people's attention. They'll be sitting up on the end of their feet. Say, what? I gotta watch this. I think a lot of people in America don't know who Martin Luther was. 
Yes, but the Christians, well, because, because that's why we actually say, if you see on our website, and this is why it's significant to Martin Luther, we're continuing the Reformation. And we're doing exactly that next step, the same thing that Martin Luther did. You know, we are doing to today's traditionalist Christians what the Reformers did to the traditionalist Catholics, what the Apostles and Disciples did to the traditionalist Pharisees. You know, we're following the exact same model. Believe all the word of God, because I've got to, you know, you may or may not, depending on which uh, church culture you come from, uh, a lot of times Christians will have what's called their signature verse. So, like, this is the verse that I really hold on to all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but you are. Okay. Well, my signature verse that I've held on to uh, and use all the time is Acts 24:14, and it could not be more perfect for me. And, and it's Paul saying, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. What you have in Acts 24:14 is Paul being tried and saying, These Pharisees are accusing me of heresy, but all I'm guilty of is preaching all the word of God. Preaching all that the all I'm guilty of is believing all that's written in the scriptures, and that, that that's what he's saying, and that's really what we're doing. And that's why Acts twenty four fourteen is such a uh, signature verse for me. What is? Are you? Is, are you? Are, are you a minister? <laughs> you figured that out, did you? <laughs> no, actually, I was uh, for eight years, but the responsibilities of the organization have just way overwhelmed. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, are you, uh, no, I was a home church pastor for eight years. Okay. Yes. And then, are, are, is your full-time job now dealing with the, 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 the anti-polygamy and the love not for? I am an entrepreneur doing multiple ways of income so that I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I am, uh, this is what I do, but I mean, I, and what's made possible uh, from, you know, because obviously there wasn't funding in the early days. Um, you know, I, I am a, uh, a multi-streams of income entrepreneur, uh, if that makes sense. No, but... No? <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about America is you can have as many businesses as you want. That's true. <laughs> okay, and, 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 you know, and I've always been the one, I'd rather have 100 businesses each making a dollar a day than one business making $100 a day, because if I lose one of the businesses, I'm only down a buck. Okay, I think that's, that's a good way. So you're an entrepreneur with, from different types of industries. Well, pretty much all, or you're probably even better than just simply netrepreneur. Netrepreneur. Netrepreneur? N-E-T, as an in internet. Oh, you're a netrepreneur. Yes, and then an entrepreneur, but internet. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, a netrepreneur. Um, but this is... How, this is, I don't know how to put it. This is my identity. Right. Uh, this is, uh, you know, um, my life is committed to bring the truth of Christian polygamy to the churches. Um, because, again, just as I said, the parado- as explained before, that the paradigm of the evangelical Christians is about studying the scriptures, not believing what a man tells you, but reading the word of God for what it says yourself. It is about believing the truth because it is the truth. 
It should be uh, janus.state.me. Janus.state.me.us slash legis slash statutes. That's the exact right place to go. I found it. Here it's chapter 21. Well, make sure you I think it's 17, though. I thought one of them got uh, repealed. Title 17. That's it. Yeah, it is. Chapter 23. A person guilty of bigamy if having a spouse he intentionally marries or purports to marry knowing that he is illegal, he's ineligible to do so. Yeah, see, it's the purports. See how ridiculous that is? Just the mere report purporting. And that's considered under the Chapter 23, which is offenses against the family. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, do you see the law right there? Yeah. The purports to marry. No, I saw it. says intentionally marries or purports to marry. Yeah. You know, so it's, talk about anti-free speech. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the law itself violates anti-free speech. Uh, and then, but do you know what the the, um, the penalty is? Well, it says it's a Class E crime, so I would have to find out what uh, the penalty is for Class E crimes. Is or you could find that out, I'm sure. Because that's what it says in Section Two there, or Clause Two of Section Five Five One. I'm just reading the abstract summary, so it's not like showing me. Oh, you didn't get to the uh, the actual law, bigamy. Go to the full. Yeah, go to the full bigamy law. Oh, here it is. It is a class E crime. Yeah. It just didn't have the second sentence on the abstract. Well, okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah. So it's a class E crime, which probably means it's a misdemeanor, isn't it? But anyway, that's why I don't answer that question. Are we at a place where we can do that? I don't want to push you. Um, there's more issues you want to talk about, though. Well, 
I think we're we're onto the right track. I mean, uh, we're probably. Uh, I don't know. I think I would. We're talking scheduling what me coming to uh, John. Me, uh, you know, I'm going to New York, and when like when we would do this other thing too with the family. Yeah. Okay. Um. Because that's going to probably be more of a scheduling thing. You said it was across the country. Right. That's going to involve me. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I don't leave my family. I, I'm not whining about it. I'm just saying that I'd like to have a little advance notice as well. No, no, I, I fully agree with you on that. Um, uh, I would... Uh, um, I figure getting you down here is not as actually big of a deal. Probably not, no. Because I just think, like, that's a... You know, you can come down the day before, or mm-hmm. the day, you know, do whatever is convenient. Hey, you said you were going on vacation anyway, so we're probably not I talking until January, right? Right, we're talking January. Okay. Um, probably, um, we may need a couple of days, so like the 10th or 11th would probably be good for me, if you're talking about New York, or if we wanted to make a uh, a whirlwind situation and have me come to New York and then uh, fly out from New York and go to uh, the West Coast. That could be really good. See, you know, as a matter of efficiency. Yeah, why don't we... Because that way I'm not away from my family too, too long. Um, no, and then that works for us, too, because then it'll all be, like, super fresh in our minds, and mm-hmm. we can totally, like, get this up. The only thing that I worry about with doing an interview, I always, you know, there's... Because it's, it's all in New York. I mean, I can... I can no, what I'm thinking about is sometimes sometimes you want to ask about things that you have B-roll of. You know what I mean? You have what of? B-roll. Like, oh, yeah. I almost think that you and I should go to wherever we're going to go first and then come back to New York and then do the interview. Well, to be honest with you, I was thinking that it might be good to have have a situation where, um, I don't know exactly how you would go about it, but maybe uh, John has me and him watch something and then I comment on it. Right, and see, that's the thing is I can't make that happen instantaneously. Like, I need, like, you would need the role in the first place. What? You'd have to have the video in the first place. Right, but... Yeah. But if, but like, let's say we did this all in one fell swoop like this. Yeah. If you and I went out and did that first. Yeah. We could just take notes, and then I obviously you know, I write down the questions. Uh-huh. I give him questions about referring back to what we saw. In the, yeah. You know, whatever happened. That that might be more effective. Also. Unless you want to do a double interview. you in the piece a lot more because then you're talking about things that we can visually see. I'm sorry. Say that again. Yeah. Um, it makes you more of the story narrator. Right. Because you're explaining and commenting on right. the video. Well, and that was kind of the thought that I was having, that if we started moving to an hour show and started including, you know, uh, people from other situations of The Onion, uh, such as, you know, people looking for wives and uh, maybe well, the black Israelites. Is if we extend it like that, you're going to just have to come back to New York. We'll have to do another show. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with doing two interviews, too. That's, that's I mean, the thing is, is, yeah, I just, that, because I think that what would actually be more, more what's more probable that I think would happen is that we would do this piece first, and that this piece would air, yep. and then they would want to expand it. You know what I mean? Of course, I of think course. that everything you're talking about right. is really incredibly relevant. Mm-hmm. But right. right, and I'm just saying, Donald, I can see a situation where pretty much, I'm touring. <laughs> I'm touring people's situations around the country and then commenting on them. 
Right, you know, exactly, yeah. basically. And then, but we could show you lots of footage on that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. We could do a, like a little blue bro kind of thing of photos up on the internet. Right. Although I'm thinking for this interview, for this one, more of a homey setting. I mean, you'll do the interview here in, in our studio, yeah. but I'm thinking of something a little more. Um, I, I really don't think I want a, a computer monitor in the shot. Actually, I think what I'm visualizing is a little more. Um, more. But that's just like my you know gut for this interview. Okay. What, sitting, uh, what, in front of a, a fireplace, like a presidential interview or something? Across from each other in chairs? No, but like, yeah, just something, and you won't even, I mean, it, it'll be in the 80s in our studio here. What? It'll look, it'll look more warm, I just think. Yeah. I think having a monitor in the shot, a lot of times can make it a little more, um, it just doesn't feel as warm to me. The internet mm -hmm. is such a big reason why this was possible. Yeah. And so maybe I'll computing with it in terms of the internet, uh, it might be applicable. That's true. But what I would rather do there is to show you to show B roll of you working. And we can set up a computer like an office here for you yeah. to show like show your explain to us show us your website and do all yeah. that. Well yeah I can bring my laptop that better. That's fine. Yeah. Um and we can well, yeah, we'll just, we'll, I'll, I'll have the computer guys come in and so that they can get you wired up. But we'll set that up separate and apart from the interview itself. Okay, so that would be like a second visit. No, no, same visit. Oh, okay. Just a different location. In your place? Your location at New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in New York. Yeah, no, right. You, it makes it, you made it pretty clear to me you are not interested in having us come to your house. Correct, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> very, very good. I, I caught that. I yes. caught that. And in fact, I was actually I was just thinking about how am I going to send you this book? But I'm betting that you have a PO box. I can send this to. You haven't got the PO yet? Yes, of course we do. I don't think I do. Well, it's on the bottom of every page of the website. That's okay. Oh well, can you just tell me? I, I certainly can. Can you tell me what it is? Uh, Truthbear.org. PO box. Orchard Beach. Orchard Beach. Maine. 04064. 04064. I don't need a city. Old Orchard Beach is the city. Yes. I'm sorry. I wrote P.O. Box. Old Orchard Beach all on one line. Ah. Okay, so I'm going to send the standard mail just so you know because I would normally FedEx it, but given. Well, FedEx wouldn't have a physical delivery to go to, yeah. Exactly. But it feels fine. FedEx. Yeah. So hopefully that's okay. That's good. Um, okay, so let's talk. So if we were going to do this... The 10th would be good for me, 10 or 11, you know, this, okay, the, that so weekend from the 10th. Could we... But in, t in this thing, though, I think that you, we should go and we should go and do the B-roll first, and that then we should come back and do an interview with John on the back end so that you can walk him through what he's saying. Okay, well, I suppose on the 10th we could go there. Okay, so on the 10th we go there. I'm assuming, I mean, I've got to talk to the family, too. I mean, you know, that's going to work with their schedule. Yeah, well, it's fine yeah. if that would work okay. I could go, ninth, my schedule that week is completely free. Yeah. 9th, 10th, and 11th. 9th is out for me, that's why it's going to be the 10th. Oh, okay, I get it. All right, um, John looks like he goes, he's flying to Guatemala on Sunday. So he can do the interview on Saturday, though. Saturday the 12th. Okay. That's going to be tight, though, flying all the way across the country and back. Yeah. You're going to be tired? 
Um, no, him. He's going to be. Well, John's not going to go. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, you just said he was going to Guam or something. Or... No, no, he's going to Guatemala. Oh, Guatemala. Well, still a long distance. I don't care what he does after the interview. Okay. I just want him to look good and be fresh. <laughs> well, John. Well, John. That's funny. Um, and the other thing I worry about a little bit is like I would rather us yes. We'd have to basically go like the 31st, 1st and 2nd or something. Uh, Three weeks later. Yeah, no, January. We'd have to go into January at that point. Maybe I mean, February. I'm sorry, we have to go into February. What if you were just coming down for the day? Like, well, so how about this? Could we plan to do it the 10th, 11th, and 12th, so long as it works with the family? And if there is some sort of, God forbid, like winter storm or something that happens and the interview cannot have it on the 12th, I will fly you back down and we'll make it work because I just... I don't like because John is leaving for Guatemala on that Sunday, and he leaves at 9 in the morning, so he can't do an interview. I mean, we could, I guess, even do an interview. Well, one thing I'm going to need is that the story doesn't run until I'm interviewed. Well, of course. Yes. Yeah. That's why I would... Yeah. And I just, I think you're going to be more comfortable if you do it right away, and it should work. Well, where are we flying to? That's what I need to know. <coughs> be Oregon. Like Portland, like a major airport? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So we can fly direct. So then. And I would be coming from Portland to my airport. Huh. Right, but you're well, that's gonna easy. probably you're gonna you can't fly Portland to Portland. Though. No, mm, it's, it is an international jet I'm I'm not sure. I'm guessing that there's not a plane that goes. But if there is, we'll totally fly you on it. But <laughs> well, if I have to do a layover in New York, so my my point being is, is that uh, I was just saying for your own mind, you can remember both Portland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I got that. Yeah. So, I think, I, I, let's try to do it for the 10th, 11th, 12th. Yeah. Um, uh, well, of course, I guess you got to talk to the family. Can you leave on the 9th, the evening of the 9th? Like, if we wanted to try to get you there on the 9th? Mm. That may be tough. Uh, so, let me know. Yeah. Otherwise, we can plan to fly out that morning. I've flown to the West Coast because the time is... I mean, I, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, like, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, if I had to, I could do that. Actually, I don't know if the guest flight is leaving until I see. works in our favor going that way. So we could actually, if we took a really early morning flight on Thursday morning, mm -hmm. we could get there, do our thing, and then come back on Friday afternoon, and then we'll be all fresh and fine for the interview on Saturday. And we could plan the interview on Saturday, like, in the evening even, you know, like 4 o'clock, to make sure that we've got plenty of sleep and mm -hmm. everybody's happy. And then I'm going home on the 13th. The, yeah, that's what I think would work, don't you think? It's possible, yes. So, I, so I, technically, then I'd be leaving, like, what, uh, Thursday the 9th at, like, 11 or 12 at night? Oh, I don't want you to take the red eye. I'm thinking that we could, we could go in the morning of the 10th. Well, because I remember, uh, there was, I was going to uh, potentially be on a number of different shows uh, in the Just trial, and they tried to, they were going to try to fly me in to New York uh, for like the 7.30 shows and 
seemingly we couldn't even seem to find a flight that either wouldn't have to fly me at 11 o'clock at night or it had to be at 6 o'clock in the morning. And by that point, I wouldn't be able to get there, get my limo to across New York City in time. Yeah, let's... let's I'm going to have to check with my travel department and right, see right. what they could make work. Yes. Because maybe what we have to do is maybe you have to overnight the night of the 9th in New York City in order to make it all work. Ooh, I don't know. See, I don't know if that'll be fun. The 9th is the difficult day for me. Um, well, what, what, when, that's, that's like, are you busy that evening? Is that the issue? Uh, you know, I might be able to, like I said, I might be able to leave that night-night. You know, if I said like 11 or 12, and we talked about the red-eye, I mean, it's, if I have to do something like that, I, I mean, I might be able you to do that. do that. Okay, yeah. all right, so let's, do you want to check with the family? Of course. Um, I'm going on vacation. Yeah, how long? We can totally, I'm on vacation actually through the new year. Well, through the new year, okay. Um, Driving to Illinois. Oh my, have fun. <laughs> Drive. Yeah. But I feel like I would, I kind of would, would want, because this is, that's going to require some logistical, yes. your travel. Right. I want to get somebody who works with me to be in touch with you. Why don't you email me if this all works out? Yeah. Then I'll get somebody making the travel arrangements for us. So if I'm doing this on the 10th, when would the family be having to deal with us, let's put it that way. I mean, well, I think what's, when I talk to them, i got to tell them what time they would be looking at us. I think they would be looking at us being... Because I think we're like, it might, it might even be like a uh, an hour away, an hour's drive away from the airport. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. But like the tent, I think maybe we plan to come, let me, you know, let me, do you mind if I just exceed a couple flights and just see like what it could possibly look like? Yeah, go ahead. Because that might be the... Yeah, it's hard for me to... Because I guess what I really feel like is, like, we need to kind of be able to be with them for, like, a day. Right. You know? Right. Um, so that would be... Well, it seemed like we would with them from the 10th until the 11th, and then we leave on the 11th, you know, and come back to New York at that Well, yeah, but how long a flight is it across country? I mean, that's, that's going to be, what, three hours? That's where I got the idea. Six yeah, minus three. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's three hours yeah. in real time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, one ten. Let's say we leave earlier. Which means I'm leaving even earlier to get to you. Right. Would we all be sitting together? We can. Okay. Um, no, just be you and I. Oh, you're not bringing your crew? No, no, I'll have them be, uh, um... Oh, you just use the ABC crew that's in yeah, Seattle? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it won't be a crew I know well. It'll be, it'll be a crew that are, like, our, our, we have a whole department that they just figure out, like, who the good magazine crews are, and they, <laughs> they figure all this stuff out. I really don't. Part of the ABC network itself, the affiliate. Yeah. Not the affiliate, it's more of the net, yeah, network. The network. Yeah. I get it. So basically, I have no problem riding together. I don't smell that. Yep, neither do I. <laughs> All right, it's only showing me evening flights. 
So I have to call them because it's only showing me like evening flights for some reason. Um, I have to just search for flights leaving at 6 a.m. and the earliest one is showing me the post direct leaves at 4:50, um, which is not good. But like, well, it sounds like that we've only really um, we might have the afternoon of the 10th and then some of the 11th with the family, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, at best. At worst, we probably only have the 11th. Um, the 11th is good, though. I mean, I don't need a ton of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the less time that you need, the family would be better. I'm sh- we'll be happy, I'm sure. <laughs> That's an option with their life. Get out of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, and I, I've spoken with them since our last call, too. Um, oh, okay, good. And, um... Uh, very excited about it, uh, but certainly um, kind of concerned about, you know, coming into the house itself. Uh, okay. Just, uh, they, um, well, they just feel that they're, you know... Uh, they want it to be uh, unidentified. Well, yeah, tighter quarters than they're happy with, you know. They're just, you know, just standing like all, all American citizens, you know, we all wish we had more than we had. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, don't worry yeah. about that. They're worried about it not looking like random enough? Yeah. Well, no, not so much that, but rather just, uh, they, 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 uh, you know, uh, three adults and a lot of children, uh, and, and, you know, children meaning, because it was also a single mom situation. Um, you know, so there's also teenagers and stuff like that. Um, it's just, they, I mean, they called it tight quarters, even though they, you know, they got, you know, several right. hundreds of square feet, but they right. still consider it tight. Well, we can be sensitive to that. Yes. Make it work. Okay. Um, you know, there is a flight coming back. The next, there's a red eye coming back from Portland. Okay. Um, we have massive jet lag. That leaves, that leaves Friday. Well, I was thinking if we can't leave until Thursday evening, let's say, like, let's say you can't get in to New York on Wednesday. Okay. Then, because, I mean, here's the ideal. Yeah. From my perspective, the ideal would be that we leave at on Wednesday, you know, and mm-hmm. then we have all day Thursday, and then we have a leisurely flight back on Friday. <laughs> yeah. But if we can't do that, what we could do is we could take, and I don't want to transfer planes. I mean, I just think that that's crazy. Yeah. We could, we could fly, we could fly there on Thursday, leaving. It looks like there's a Delta flight that leaves at 4:50 from JFK and gets to Portland at. Um, 25, so we'd get there that evening, then we wouldn't really shoot that day. No, so we'd we, we, meet the family and just talk. On you know? Friday? Yeah, on, on Thursday. Well, on Friday, if, we, if, we're, if we're getting, if we're arriving at, in, in Portland at 8.55, 8.25, yeah. 8.25, uh, that's at least an hour's drive to wherever they are. To where they are, yeah. And I think they're like 70 miles away or something. So, then we, we, we so that would be way late at night at that point, yeah. yeah. That'd be too late. Yeah, so it has to be the next morning. Yeah, so then the next morning we go and we, like, you know, meet them, we spend the day with them, and then we could maybe come back. Uh, there's a flight out of Portland that looks like at 10 o'clock that night. Friday night. Yeah. Right. So pretty and much... Back the get the to ship back to New York and to the Red Eye, but then, you know, we get a hotel for you, you can go rest up, yeah. whatever, and we can interview that evening or whatever. It'll be Saturday evening I'm doing this with John? Yeah, I'm thinking like four or five. I want to. Well, that's not either. That's fine. Yeah. Like, have like a, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I, I mean, I, I really don't want to come in. I, I am concerned. Now you say that, I am concerned about you know going into a uh, 
a recorded interview with massive jet lag, yeah. Right. Yeah. You wanna have, like, I want to give you, like, ten hours to go and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, shave, look your best, yep. you know, all that. I care about that. Yeah. So, um, all right, so let's... So you want to check those dates with the family? I will. Okay. Well, we'll see if they, you know, uh, of and course. Check your own schedule and see yeah. how flexible. Because obviously it would be easier if we went out on Wednesday night and then it would all right. loosen up. But I'll, I'll, I think I'll, we can make it work the other way, too. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I will, uh, I will touch base with the family. Okay. I'm in my office for the rest of the afternoon. Okay. Um, and then I'll be on BlackBerry and I'll check my voicemail like, probably once a day or so. Okay. Uh, I might be in the office tomorrow afternoon. I haven't decided. I technically have more vacation than I can use right now. But I might be in because I think my BlackBerry just broke and I'm um, getting a replacement delivered tomorrow. Okay. So, so if I send you email... I'll get it. I'll get it. It's, it's working. It's, do you have a BlackBerry? It's like, of course you do. You're like a technological... <laughs> Well, actually, I have my uh, uh, my laptop with uh, uh, wireless broadband, so I can go. Even better, I, right? I, I, totally, I can bring it anywhere I go. So I have this like old-fashioned BlackBerry that has a little wheel on the side, mm -hmm. and um, it's the really old one. And I dropped it over the weekend. Oh no! It was working fine, and then all of a sudden last night it started freaking out, and <sighs> the wheel isn't working. And the thing is, is I like I live on this. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. Hey, question. Do you know if Verizon works out there? Do I know I'm sorry? Does Verizon work out on the West Coast? Do you know? Verizon totally. Well, on the West Coast? Yeah. I think so. I think Verizon um, Verizon is the best um, wireless. wireless in terms of, like, its national reach. Right. Period. So, okay. So my, my wireless broadband should work out there then, too. Yeah. I just want to check. I just ask if you do. No, yeah, yeah that's uh, what I have too. Is Verizon the yeah, same one? Yeah. Um, I think it's the best. We well, have we have T-Mobile. My husband has T-Mobile. Yeah. On it's funny. Sometimes um, I'll get signal where he doesn't at all. Yeah. Well, I have multiple phones actually. I've got uh, U.S. cellular and also uh, uh, Sprint. Which uh, one do you find works the best? Um, well, it depends. If I try to go up into the woods of uh, Maine, I can only get uh, U.S. cellular uh, really? and sometimes Verizon. Uh, usually Verizon, but definitely not Sprint um, up north in Maine. But if I go into, uh, I've, I've discovered my my Sprint is definitely, I go into major hubs across the country, I'm fine. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good, because yeah. that's cheaper, too, I think. Yeah. Well, actually, with this, when I say Sprint, I'm actually using Virgin Mobile, uh, which is a, a pay-as-you-go, uh, one of those deals, uh, which uses the Sprint network. Oh, smart. Yeah, um, and basically it's a 20, 20 bucks a quarter. If I don't use it, it doesn't matter. So it's an extra line. You've got to have your extra access. <laughs> you can't be down no matter what. So if one, one service is down, I can call from somebody else. <laughs> that, that's where i got to be with this. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, so we'll be in touch then um, by email or by phone okay. about these, nailing these dates down. Mm -hmm. because then um, I can get somebody working on making a travel plan right. um, because the logistics sound like it'll be a little complicated, but I think it's going to work out. Awesome. All right, cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again, Chrissy. Sounds great. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate, presenting polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com.